1: grace Curley. you can read grace's work in the boston herald and the spectator especially grace
2: grace stand
1: up here's the millennial with the mic grace Curley.
0: hello everyone and welcome back to the grace Curley show joining the show now very excited about this is libby emmons from the post-millennial Libby's one of those guests, rain or shine, doesn't matter what day it is. Everybody else is taking the week off, but Libby's working hard. And we thank you for coming on, Libby. Um, And the first thing I want to talk to you about as someone who used to live in New York City is this story about the teen tourists who were stabbed by a 36-year-old man who allegedly yelled, I want all the white people dead. This happened at Grand Central Terminal. And the part of this story that really caught my eye uh, today, Libby, is the fact that this man had 17 prior arrests on his rap sheet, everything ranging from a third degree assault to resisting arrest. Can you give us your reaction and just what you make of this story?
3: Sure. I was pretty horrified by this. Tourism is an integral industry in New York City. It's important that uh, people feel safe when they come to the city and don't think that they're going to be targeted by racially motivated career criminals. But that's not what happened. This was a really sad incident. Um, and of course, we're we're praying for these uh, these teen victims of this crime. Alvin Bragg is far too busy prosecuting Donald Trump for, uh, you know, checks that he think for, thinks were categorized the wrong way in his bookkeeping records to actually keep career criminals off the street. There are policies in New York City that essentially have people getting arrested for violent crimes and being put right back out on the street. There's a, there's a no-bail policy, so uh, people aren't accountable to anything other than their own moral structure. And if you have a career criminal, someone who's committed this many violent crimes, they clearly have no moral structure. They're, they should be kept in prison, you know, until they're, until they're tried. And a lot of these people are tried, convicted, and then, you know, they're, they're not even in jail for very long. We have a very soft on crime situation in New York City, and it's devastating for tourists and it's devastating for the people that live there.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, when these things happen, a lot of people, a lot of critics want to shift blame to the police. But it seems to me, Libby, that they're pretty helpless as well. I mean, if the DAs aren't going to charge people, and the judges aren't going to give out any sort of uh, real punishments for people, and there's no accountability, then the cops are kind of on the other side of this revolving door, just doing the same thing over and over again.
3: Yeah, it's got to be so frustrating for the police officers. New York City has a A huge and vibrant police force but morale has definitely been down and we've seen that you know new york city had to pay out millions of dollars to agitators and protesters who were uh, you know arrested in 2020 for doing things like setting fire to police vehicles and the city is paying out over that why it makes absolutely no sense and yeah the the officers morale has certainly been in decline we've seen that across the country Um, And what kind of job is it where you go out to protect your city, to protect the people that you care about, to protect the citizens, and you know that you're going to arrest some crazy man who's only going to be back on the street a couple of hours later? We've seen this across the country, too, not just in New York, but in L.A. and Chicago and all of these big cities where they defund the police movement was most successful in reducing morale among officers and reducing any kind of trust between the public and officers, not just in you know pulling money out of their budgets, which we're seeing in New York now as well um, but you know pulling pulling guys off the line because they just don't feel like it's worth it anymore
0: Libby, you just mentioned the hospitality industry, and I want to s- switch gears here uh, about still about New York City though there was a crazy story in the New York Post about how retailers at the roosevelt hotel which i didn't realize i'm not familiar with the hotel um and i i know a lot of people from new york have gone there before for functions and things like that but it has roughly 16 retail spaces and a lot of these retailers are now saying listen I, I, i need a reduction in my rent because no one's coming through here the foot traffic has totally changed thanks to the fact that now the roosevelt hotel has essentially become a migrant shelter
3: the Roosevelt Hotel is a migrant shelter and anyone who's actually attempting to do business there should probably pack it up and move on. It's an old landmark hotel from 1924. It was meant to be a very grand hotel. You know, it survived the Great Depression, World Wars, everything. And now um, New York City rented the hotel from the Pakistani government and is using it to house illegal immigrants. I think they've paid twenty. Two hundred and twenty million over three years to rent that hotel from the government of from uh, Pakistan International Airlines. That's who owns it. I'm sorry. We had this um, covered in August by one of our columnists at Human Events, Jacqueline Toborov, and she did a whole deep dive into this. And that's what I'm looking at right now for my for my uh, to bolster my memory. But yeah, so New York City is renting this hotel from Pakistani Airlines for two hundred and twenty million dollars. It's an eyesore. She told me that she actually went. Out to the hotel to check out what was going on and there's uh, entrances on one side for african immigrants there's entrance on another side for central american entr- immigrants and there are clashes all the time you see kids playing unattended in the street um there's a lot of like random delivery bikes and stuff and the hotel is is falling completely into ruin because of this no one should be um you know, no one's going to want to go in there and actually conduct any kind of business. So it's no wonder that these retailers are closing up shop. Um, it's really, you know, it's really a stain there. It's right it's right downtown. It's right on, like, it's right in Midtown. It's right near Rockefeller Center, St. Patrick's, places that tourists are, are going to go. Um, yeah, and it's a shame. And it, it's not the only one. There are other hotels in the city that are forced to rent out their rooms to the New York City, who then uses those rooms to house migrants and restaurants are closing up shop in those hotels as well, because who's going to go there? You know, that's not really the kind of thing that tourists are looking for. It's not what New Yorkers are looking for, um, increased crime and um, all of that stuff. So it's really a shame.
0: Yeah. And, you know, another thing that people in New York are now getting used to dealing with are these protesters, Libby, these anti-Israel demonstrators that have taken over Christmas tree lightings, pictures with Santa Claus. That that was a situation in Ottawa. But a lot of it is happening in New York City where um, people are either, you know, disrupting carolers or just fun, festive events that a lot of people go to New York City for. But it's not just happening in New York City. And I wanted to get your take on a story that I saw this morning that there were anti-Israel protesters who were getting ready. They, they didn't do this, but they were preparing mm-hmm. to go to the Holocaust Memorial Museum in D.C. and hold a Stop the Genocide in Gaza event inside that uh, the Holocaust Memorial Museum. And the part of this that I wanted your take on, Libya is they planned this whole thing. They obviously, get rightfully so, they get a lot of pushback. And now they're basically trying to say that... Um, It was never their intention to offend. And I'm paraphrasing, but here's something it says as doctors against genocide. That's the group that planned this. We want to reemphasize our stance against all hate in all forms. Hashtag never again for all. This is one of my pet peeves, Libby. You can't play smart and play dumb at the same time. I, I, you can't now tell us after planning this event at the Holocaust Museum. Oh, I didn't realize that, that this was the wrong thing. I didn't think this was going to upset. Me. Are people mad about this? It's like you—they kn- knew what they were doing when they the, the demonstrators when they planned this event. Would you agree? Of course, of course, they know what they were doing, and they were
3: doing it to rub their nose, rub the noses of you know Jewish people in it, and to rub the noses of anyone who you know um, commemorates the Holocaust in it. They don't, they, they don't care about the Holocaust, you know what I mean? They really just care about destroying the oppressor. This is their whole M.O., and they don't care about anything else. Um, you see this repeatedly with the rhetoric that says, you know, Israel is behaving like Hitler. People come out and say this kind of thing. Um, Israel is committing a Holocaust. Israel is committing a genocide. This is what people say. And when you look at it, you know it's it's some amazing genocide that results in you know increasing numbers of palestinians in gaza but um yeah the the, the people who planned this protest they know exactly what they were doing and one thing that's interesting to me is uh, in a lot of these cases like we see people are shutting down lax today i think they're shutting down the roads to jfk the airports and they're just putting their climate signs down and picking up their Jew-hating signs instead. Um, and that's really that's really what this is all about. They don't care about any other conflict, right? I was reading today, There's there was some, like, I think it was 200 Christians were massacred in Nigeria on Christmas. Um, this is something we're looking into right now. Um, and we see this. We see barbarism all over the world. We see you know, ethnic cleansing in Armenia still happening. That's, you know, we see so much of this, yet they only focus on the one where they can persecute Jews for defending themselves.
0: Yeah. It's transparent. No, Libby, it's a really good point. And I saw that Douglas Murray was on TV today, and he was making a similar point, that there's all of these atrocities going on, and they they keep throwing out this word genocide and trying to exploit things like the Holocaust Museum and it's just it's despicable. Libby Emmons, we thank you so much for joining us today. Can you let people know where they can find all your work at the Post Millennial, where they can follow you on Twitter and everything else you got going on?
3: Sure. I'm at Libby Emmons on Twitter and you can find everything we're doing at thepostmillennial.com dot com and humanevents
0: dot com. Thanks, Grace. Thank Thanks you Christmas. very much. We'll talk to you soon, Libby, and Merry Christmas to you and yours. We will be right back. We'll take your calls on this. And I'm so glad Libby brought that up about picking up. The climate or putting down the climate signs, picking up the anti-Israel signs, because I saw this sketch and I think it's I think the comedian, and I'll try to find it, but I think the comedian works for the Babylon Bee. And he does really, really funny sketches that are a commentary on what's going on right now with these young people, these young progressives. And he had this sketch where it was all it was supposed to be this young liberal and how amazing it was that even though he couldn't get any aspects of his own life together. Like he's living with his mom, which I'm not hating on people who live with their parents, but a lot of his own problems were apparent, but he was able to figure out, he had answers on everything from the Middle East conflict, you know, Ukraine, any any problem, the climate, he was able to solve it, but he couldn't keep a job. He couldn't, you know, he didn't have any friends. Like, it, And I really thought to myself, this is so accurate. That's what I find so amazing about this group of people is that... These young Gen Zers, they think they can solve all of these problems with an infographic on social media. And meanwhile, you look at their own, you know, their own lives, their own backyards, and their lives are a mess. But they're going to lecture us. They're going to shut down a highway to show us what the solution is. What are the solutions to all the problems in your own life? Start small. Take off a bite of that and try to chew it before you start trying to figure out how to fix what's going on in Israel versus Hamas that seems like you should really be focusing more on yourself 844 uh, 500 we'll talk about that and so much more when we come back don't go anywhere
1: The Grace Curley Show will be right back This is The Grace Curley Show.
0: There's a good piece in The Wall Street Journal about what's going on with these Iranian proxies. And I'm just going to read you a couple lines here I highlighted. It says, Biden endangers U.S. troops. I skipped around... um, But it says Iranian proxies have attacked U.S. forces in the Middle East about 100 times since October. The White House response was worse. The National Security Council's Adrian Watson issued a statement announcing the reprisal and insisted that the president places no higher priority than the protection of American personnel serving in harm's way. Well, one higher priority going to St. Croix. (laughs) It's vacation and then everything else for Joe Biden. Iranian front groups have been trying to kill U.S. troops for months, yet Mr. Biden offered the military equivalent of a wrist slap after Americans suffered traumatic brain injuries and attacks this autumn. The administration may want the public to think the latest retaliatory strike were more substan- uh, substantive, but the previous pinpricks on weapons stores, U.S. Central Command took the unusual step monday night of saying that the strikes likely killed a number of militants but the associated press citing iraqi officials say the u.s killed all of one militant so here this is something we never saw with trump like if trump had just put out something that said oh we did a strike but uh it was very successful it killed a lot of people killed a lot of bad guys The press would be like, how many? Who? what are their names? With Biden, he can do these strikes. He can kill a bunch of innocent civilians and they'll come out and say, oh no, it was all good. And then months later, it's like, well, he actually, the terrorist we said that he killed, he actually didn't kill a terrorist. He killed a guy transporting water from one place to another and his children. And there's no uproar about it. There's no uproar whatsoever. Trump has two scoops of ice cream. He gets more pushback than Biden with these strikes. So his administration comes out and says they likely killed. Have you ever heard of anything that vague, Jared? If, if Trump came out and said, we likely killed a bunch of militants. Yeah, we likely did. You think Jim Acosta? Jim Acosta would be like, excuse me, sir. What do you mean by that? But Biden can't get away with it. And then, like, his, like the numbers on his economy, everything gets revised as time goes on. Turns out, likely killed a number of militants. They killed one. Americans who sign up to serve in uniform know the risk, but serving as drone catchers because Washington refuses to deter the enemy isn't supposed to be among the occupational hazards. I like that. Serving as drone catchers. And Mr. Biden's token strikes haven't deterred Iran proxies in Iraq or anywhere else. And at the bottom of this story in The Wall Street Journal, it says... Restoring deterrence in the Middle East would require the Biden administration to admit that its approach to Iran hasn't worked and demand a course correction. That, I think, is is at the root of so many issues. Not to sound like the borders are. I'm not trying to get to the root of every issue here. But if you zero in on so much of this stuff, so much of it comes down to hubris, so much of this comes down to refusing to course correct. And... You can hate Donald Trump, and a lot of people obviously do, as you can see everywhere you look. It's like Christmas. It's all around us. But he was never, af- he was never afraid to course correct, I don't think. He was never afraid to change his opinion either. But if he saw something he didn't like it, how it was playing out, he would change it. He would say, yeah, oh, we're going to do something else. The Biden administration, they were so set on their course because their entire course depended on doing the opposite of what Trump did, or even sometimes the opposite of what they think Trump would do. What do we think? How do we think Trump would handle this? Let's do the opposite. And so to course correct from that becomes impossible because if you course correct from it, you're not only admitting you are wrong, you're admitting in their minds, they're admitting Trump was right and they refuse to do that. So we're on a course. We're on a crash course to hell. And there's no way that they will swerve or change it or pivot. They can't. Because to pivot means orange guy, orange man was onto something. And that is that is the worst thing in their minds is to admit on anything, whether it's the border, the economy, to admit that Trump might have been onto anything for them is a fate worse than death. So they will... They will get Trump or they will die trying. They will let Rome burn or they will die trying. But they will not course correct in any way, shape, or form. 844-500-4242. I see you on the lines. We're going to take your calls. When we come back, we'll do the poll question. I want to talk more about this Holocaust Museum stunt that didn't uh, didn't end up happening and how I it's my pet peeve with these woke social justice warriors is when they start to backtrack and they're like, oh, well, when we were planning this for the Holocaust Memorial Museum, it wasn't to offend Jews. Really? Well, you missed the mark. Whatever your goal was, safe to say you didn't hit it. We'll be right back. Live
1: from the Aviva Tratria studio.
0: This. Look at these lines. Two days after Christmas will well, all be. It's a Christmas miracle. Everybody wants to call in, and I appreciate that. We're going to take your calls here. We still have a lot to get through in this hour. Um, I want to talk about this situation that occurred at a, a Delta flight um, with a Delta... Flight attendant, he got into a little beef with someone, and we'll talk about it. I have some thoughts, as you could probably guess. But first, let's go to Jack, your next stop on The Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Jack.
4: <laughs> Hi. Uh, I, I, I urge everybody to read the uh, Wall Street Journal article yesterday by this Captain Lute. Uh It was an editorial, uh, fantastic uh, discussion of what happened when President Reagan was in power. He came out, and he said that when, when Iran threatened the shipping in, in the Mediterranean and Persian Gulf, uh, Reagan said he wasn't going to stand for it. And the, the article is so riveting. The battle scenes is incredible. We absolutely drove them right off the, the on sea. It was incredible. Sunk their ships. The first thing he also said to them, hit their refineries, too. And we did. <laughs> and then we got respect. Because Iran just just very quietly moved away from that area with their so-called "quote-unquote" battleships.
0: Yeah, and, and Jack, as as you're very well aware, I'm sure. The situation right now with the Houthis, we we are doing the exact opposite of that. And this is also from the Wall Street Journal, the same piece I was reading before, it's from the editorial board. It says the Houthis and other Iran-backed military are also unimpressed with the new US coalition to protect commercial shipping in the Red Sea. The terrorists are escalating despite US restraint and response. The US military said Tuesday afternoon, so yesterday, that American ships and fighter jets had shot down no fewer than 12 drones. Um, three ballistic missiles and two land attack cruise missiles all were fired by the Houthis in a ten hour period. Does that sound like an organization worried about how America might respond? This is from the Wall Street Journal. So Jack, to your point, we are we are not showing strength and that's what a lot of these regimes respond to.
4: You gotta hit this guy. I'm a veteran. I've seen this movie before. In fact, uh, what 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 Reagan or Biden said, said, Biden. he said he didn't want a war with Iran. Well, Reagan didn't think like that. He was a leader.
0: Yeah. And you know what, Jackie, even if you don't, I don't want a war with Iran either. And I don't think, honestly, we can take it. I don't think the world can take it right now. But you can't. It's like anything else. You can't tell people that or else what does Iran do? Iran goes, OK, well, they don't have they don't have the will. And this is the last line here. It says, the Houthis are betting the U.S. and friends lack the political will to punish their piracy. And why wouldn't you bet that way? If the president's out there saying, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to be, be nice to everybody. We don't want another war to break out. And by the way, he's, as his uh, aides constantly tell us, he's visited two active war zones, just in case he didn't know that. They like to brag about that a lot, but he doesn't want to visit a third one. And I don't blame him for that. I don't want to I don't want any other wars to break out. I wish the ones breaking out right now weren't happening and they weren't happening under Donald Trump. But to Jack's point, even if that is your mentality going in, even if your strategy is to avoid a war, you can't show all your cards. You can't tell people who want to attack, listen, you're going to be able to get away with it because that's what they'll do. And you know what, Uh, again, and this is kind of going with what Jack said, What this administration does, and I've heard a lot of generals, I've heard a lot of military experts on Newsmax and on Fox discussing this. They put out these statements like, oh, if they if it's almost like Obama with the red line in Syria, but their red line is, oh, if you do this, we're going to we're going to issue a really strongly worded statement and you're going to be upset about it. And then you better watch out. And then, Jared, I, I know you remember this, the international community might lose its respect for you so if the Taliban is listening if Hamas is listening if the Houthis are listening the the international community might be very disappointed in you and we wouldn't want that because that's that's something that none of these groups would want or be able to handle Lisa you're up next on the Grace Curley show thank you for the call Jack by the way go ahead Lisa
5: Hi, Grace. Um, I just want to say two things real quick. Um, The um, response from America to the incursions in the Red Sea and in the Mediterranean, they are basically just lobbing missiles into empty warehouse buildings. Okay, there's nothing in them. There's no one in them. There's no weapons in them. They are just trying to show a sign of force when we all know that Joe Biden and Anthony Blinken have no such capability. A, B, this, this whole thing with Donald Trump being, um, uh, indicted and not being on, not being able to be on the ballot in Maine. I live in Maine. So, and then Colorado, this is ridiculous. I don't understand how this could even be possible. He hasn't been charged. He hasn't been convicted. And it wasn't an insurrection. And as somebody said the other day, I don't know who it was, but there was no armed insurrection and there was no plan for an insurrection. So, therefore, there was no insurrection. It was basically a riot of a couple thousand knuckleheads who were just, trying to make trouble, and this is ridiculous. I don't don't even know how this is going through the court system as it is now. I, I don't get it. I just don't
0: get it. Well, Lisa, you seem to be hung up on what uh, one of CNN's hosts, I think it was John Avalon, called a loophole, which is known as due process. That's how CNN is describing due process now. It's a loophole that uh, we aren't going to concern ourselves with. Lisa is 110% right on this. It is ridiculous that it's even gotten this far. And this is how ridiculous it is. If you read If you read what the Colorado Supreme Court put out when they decided to boot Trump off the ballot, if you read page nine of it, which conservative treehouse did a great job of breaking down the whole thing, they actually say that basically they're just doing it. And this is my interpretation of it. You guys can check out the actual verbiage at conservative treehouse. But that. If this is contested, if the Supreme Court throws it out, the names are still printed on the ballot. Like, in other words, they know how ridiculous this is. They just want to score political points, even if they know it's it's not going to amount to anything. And they know that. They write it in there. They know that this is not going to stand. They just want to show everyone, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we're on the right side of this thing. Isn't that cool? And by the way, Lisa said that in Maine they're trying to do it. Glad you brought that up. I'm going to be talking to my friend Aaron Chadbourne about this entire situation in Maine tomorrow on the show. So, Lisa, I don't know if you're a WGAN listener, but make sure you tune in for that interview tomorrow with Aaron. He has a lot of updates for us. But And I also think Lisa's description of January 6th is pretty dead on. It's a riot that got out of control. Bunch of knuckleheads. Didn't make us look good. I can tell you that right now. But was it an insurrection? Was it the worst day since the Civil War? No, I do not think it was. And I think people who think it was, I think people who think that it was the worst thing since the Civil War need to get their heads checked. When we come back, we'll take more of your calls. Um, I wanted to let people know, though, Jared, about the Gen 40 heater, because one thing about me that you can count on is I'm always chilly. At the office, I used to always either bundle up in layers or I would turn up the thermostat when Jared and Taylor... Weren't looking because I knew it was going to result in some sort of argument. And so I did what I always do, which is I snuck behind their backs and I would turn it up. But now with the Gen 40 heater, I don't have to worry about anything. I heat up my own office. I heat up sometimes the studio if I feel like it. Sometimes I bring it home and I heat up my living room and it saves me a bunch of money. And right now, if you go to EdenPureDeals.com, you can use code GRACE50 for the Gen 40 heater. That is code GRACE50 for the Gen 40 heater. It's sleek. It's stylish. Jared, you always describe it as kind of mad men looking. It's very cool looking device, even though it keeps you warm.
2: Yeah, it it has a uh, nice uh, kind of wood paneling look with some nice black uh, parts of it. So it's really sleek looking. It almost looks like a piece of furniture and not some, you know, uh, giant heating device that's just like an eyesore in the middle of the room like a lot of those can be
0: right and right now if you go to EdenPureDeals.com you click on the Gen 40 heater use code Grace50 you're going to save $50 and you're going to get free shipping so this savings is off the already low sale price go to EdenPureDeals.com I almost said show.com. go to EdenPureDeals.com click on the Gen 40 heater and use code Grace50 for that Gen 40 heater we will be right back with more this is the Grace Curly Show.
1: You're listening to The Grace Curly Show. This is The Grace Curly Show.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to The Grace Curly Show. Um, to that last caller, I was able to go back and re-listen to the call. Um, just something I got to say here is that when you're referring to groups, I don't care what the group is, and use infestation, I don't like to use that that language, that terminology. Um, and I appreciate all my callers. I appreciate different opinions. But I think we got to use terms that allow for us to have these difficult conversations without using... Derogatory language, and that's that's how I view that word to to call something an infestation. I don't think is the way forward. So, just wanted to clarify that eight four four five hundred forty two forty two. You know what, here we got to do the poll question, and then the other thing I want to do is I want to talk about this Delta thing because you know how sometimes I will say to you, "Hey, I want to talk about something," and then I forget this Delta story is picking up a lot of steam, so we will talk about it. Uh, Today's poll question is brought to you by the Nauset Beach Inn. Right now, you can stay at the Nosset Beach Inn for under $200 this winter. To reserve your pet-friendly ocean view room, go to NossettBeachInn.com. That's NossettBeachInn.com. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far?
2: Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is have you cut the cord? Yes, recently. Yes, for a while. Not yet, but I plan to or no.
0: I have I cut the cord a long time ago and I got YouTube TV which the only problem with YouTube TV is that and this is really a problem with like all the apps is that it doesn't have the Bruins and I'm not a huge sports girl. I enjoy them, you know. I think it adds a little bit to the to the ambiance, to the atmosphere. But I'm not sitting there on my coffee table staring at it like my husband does and ready to pull my hair out when they're in overtime. With that being said, a lot of these abs, Jared, I don't know if you've noticed this, they make it almost impossible to watch the Bruins. Like, you've got to go through all of these different layers to try to get the Bruins. Then you'll get them some nights, but you won't get them the other nights. So the only quagmire in our YouTube TV utopia of cutting the cord has been the Bruins. Like, that's the only part that's ever even made me think for a minute we could go back to cable. That's the only reason. We haven't yet. But that's the thing drawing us back. I do want to tell people that my mother texted me that at one point she cut the cord. She brought in three cable boxes to Comcast. And she said she felt like a hero. She got a standing ovation from the people in the store. People were saying, I want to do that too. Good for you. Awesome job. So I do think there's a little bit of um, pride that you can take when you officially cut the cord. and You can say to the cable companies, get out of here. 46%
2: 46% of the audience say yes. They cut the cord a while ago. 30% say no. 20% say not yet, but they plan to. And only 4% said yes recently.
0: What What about you, Jared?
2: I cut the cord in 2020. So I guess a while ago. A few years ago.
0: Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. What do you use now? Do you have other apps?
2: Uh, right. Yeah, right now. Are you a um, no TV family? We're not a no TV family. (laughs) We 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 do try to limit uh, screen time and limit the TV. Yeah. Um, but you know, I also don't want him to. Secretly become like one of those TV fiends who tries to watch it behind my back. So we try to balance.
0: You got to watch that with snacks, too. Do you yeah. ever know those kids growing up where they their family didn't have any good snacks and they come over to your house? I had a good snack family, not to brag. My mom would buy us like Oreos and stuff. She has said since then, she she's like, I could have mixed it up a little bit, <laughs> Throw, <laughs> thrown a little uh, other things in there. But we had really good yodel, stuff like that. And sometimes kids would come to my house who were from really healthy snack families. And it was dangerous. Miss Curly, Miss Curly, can I have an Oreo? Miss Curly, Miss Curly, can I have a Twinkie? Miss Curly, Miss Curly. And my mom would be like, have whatever you want. Just stop asking me. Because they didn't have access to it. So they went crazy.
2: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we watch a little. Um, he's into superheroes, which I, I am proud to say is not my doing. He yeah, just sure. he, he found a book because I was not going to force myself. He found a Belisa book Lecha, in your house. He found a book that happened to have Captain America in it. And that, that Captain America is now and he just happened to cap find that lying around is, your house. He, he just happened to find it lying around. that I have a bunch of them. Uh, he just happened to have it lying around the house and he got into cap. So there is a Disney plus uh, little. So you have Disney plus. Card, yeah. Uh, well, I yeah, I had it for me because of all the, the Marvel stuff and the Star Wars stuff. Disney but, plus um, is a pretty
0: good catalog.
2: It is, yeah, there's some of the stuff I know about that I'm keeping him away from certain programs but that I'm I But I'm saying know for are, you. But for me, yeah, it's, it's great because I watch that. But there is a like a, I think it's the Superhero Squad or something like that. Yeah. Where they're kind of like sort of little kid versions of, of the superheroes and it's, it's fun. There's some quick little shorts, you know.
0: You know what my question is? Who has the Bond movies? I think they might be spread out. You know how sometimes one app
2: yeah will get who, all of them. Yeah, it, like HBO Max has everything related to DC Comics, um, like Suicide Squad, uh, Harley Quinn, that sort of thing. I'm a big
0: Bond girl. I could crush those movies. I watch Casino Royale once every three months.
2: I love it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who who would have the Bond movies.
0: Well, I can tell you right now. You probably have
2: to still buy them though.
0: There was oh, you know what HBO has all the Harry Potter movies. And I'm not a Harry Potter person, but if you were, you can watch like all eight on HBO. So that that's where the competition right, that's, that's, is now. That's a Warner
2: property, right? I think.
0: Yeah. And the competition now is who's going to get the best, who's going to get the best programs that people can rewatch, like The Office and stuff. That always comes up for grabs. Different people grab it. And then also, at the same time, they're trying to make new stuff. So I saw on Netflix, Maestro, that movie with B- Bradley Cooper, that didn't even go to theaters. That just goes right to Netflix. Um and it's a battle of who's going to come out on top. I don't know, but I'm happy I cut the cord cuz I very rarely miss cable. Yeah.
2: I mean, I I watch the couple things I want to watch when I want to watch him, or if he wants something it's it's on demand, which is great. And I mean, I don't want to sound like the old guy here, but if, you know, I wanted to watch GI Joe after school, I had to wait till 3:30 or whenever it was on. Nowadays, you can just turn it on and get it anytime you want.
0: Jared, I know you're old. I know that. We know that going And on. that was after, after coming home. how old are you?
2: I had to walk <laughs> home from school with no shoes uphill both ways over hot snow. Jared's like Tuck
0: Everlasting. We just have no idea how old he is. Um, okay. I, I, I'm going to push
2: in a hoop down a dirt road with a stick.
0: I just had mentioned that we were going to play the Delta Cut. We don't have enough time here, do we? We'll save it. But... The part of this delta cut that I want to get to, so this transgender person is having a fight with the Delta flight attendant, and he's mad that the Delta flight attendant...
2: I actually think he's a ramp agent okay, no, ramp is agent. There at the counter
0: and they're having this conversation, and the trans person is mad that this Delta employee is misgendering them. Did I get that right? I think grammatically that may- i grammatically, I know it's wrong. Um, and the part of this story that fascinates me is that this person put this up thinking he or she was going to be the hero by putting this Delta employee on blast as misgendering them. And what actually ended up happening was the Internet rallied around this Delta employee, which how often does that happen, Jared, where an airline employee is being celebrated by the Internet? Talk about something that is rare. We're gonna play this for you. We'll get your take. And then maybe we'll talk a little bit about flying. Because that's when everyone gets real agitated around the holidays. Don't go anywhere. It's the Grace Curly Show.